When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 24 of PensCast. This is your host, Lucas Wester, as always. And I know it's been a while. It's been nearly a month since the last episode of the PensCast. And for that, I apologize. I do. I've been very busy. I've had a lot of things going on. I've been wearing many different hats over the past couple months. Uh, different things and responsibilities I have to do, and it's given me very little time to do this. But I was reminded by a friend of the show in the past few days that I have this, and I still have a responsibility to do it, and I'm going to stick with it because I enjoy doing this. I just haven't had the time to do it. And once this semester comes to a close, which in the next two-ish weeks it will be, Uh, I'll have more time to do this more frequently. I would like to get back on the one episode a week uh, schedule that I had going on there for a while. I even did that, excuse me, through most of the off season. I was able to find things to do. And this is the the heat of it all. It's, you know, the peak of hockey time is right now. There's so many storylines going on around the league. And I just haven't had time to talk about it. But I've had a lot of thoughts on it. And in particular, What's been going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and this is the Pens cast after all, so there are a lot of things I want to get to in this episode. It is almost 1 a.m. on Sunday, November 26th. We are just a few hours removed from a Penguins 3-2 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs on Hockey Night in Canada. It was at the PPG Paints Arena, and the Penguins got a win following a disastrous game the night before in Buffalo against the Sabres where they lost 3-2, to same score as tonight's victory, but it was a much more heartbreaking loss where the Penguins had a 2-0 lead going into the third. Um, actually, that may not have been true. It Actually, yes, it was. Sorry. It was going into the third. They had a 2-0 lead, and in the third, they lost three goals, and that was it. And you hear something like that, and you must think, oh, the goaltending was bad. They, you know, crapped the bed there. No, that wasn't the case. Alex Nadalkovich and Tristan Jari and um, Magnus Helberg, uh, on top of it, have actually had very good seasons this year. And we're going to get into that uh, a little bit later. But Nadalkovich had a 9-12 last night in uh, his game against the Sabres. It was not his fault that the team crapped the bed there. You need to score more than two goals against Uka Pekalukinen, uh in order to win the game against Buffalo. And unfortunately, they, weren't, they were not able to pull that off. But tonight's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs was a different story. And it was a much more competitive opponent, I'd say, an, an opponent that you expect to see in the playoffs. Buffalo, we expect to contend and, you know, try to be in the mix for a playoff spot. The Toronto Maple Leafs are a team that you expect should end the regular season as a top five-ish regular season team and probably be, you know, some team's Stanley Cup pick, regardless of their history of misplay and misfortune in the playoffs. It's a team that has the talent to win the Stanley Cup. And tonight, the Penguins took it. Uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs, only allowing the Maple Leafs' high-powered offense to score twice, 
One goal, the first goal of the game was by Tyler Bertuzzi. He made it one nothing for Toronto. Jake Gensel tied it up, made it one to one. Giving a 2-1 lead to the Maple Leafs was Matthew Nyes. Tying up the game was Jake Gensel. And at the very end of the second period, Eric Carlson gets the game-winning goal. Tristan Jari stands tall for the rest of the third period, allowing two goals on 36 shots. That's a 944 on the day for Tristan Jari. One of his better performances on the year. However, he's had a lot of them so far this season, quieting a lot of the uh, doubters, including myself. I, I'm man enough to say that Tristan Jari has had a great season and so far has been proving me wrong on that contract. I didn't. I don't want to go too much into the micros of each individual game. I kind of want to look more at a, at a more macro scale of what's been going on for the Penguins. And let me find their schedule here. I had it up and I think I lost it, which is mad unfortunate. Is this it? Nope. That's. Oh, yes, it is. Okay. So... Um, when I planned on doing this episode is actually going to be following the California road trip because the Penguins swept the California road trip. Um, they played Anaheim on the day before Halloween, October 30th in Pittsburgh and lost four to three. It was a very disappointing game. And if you remember that game, uh, it was three to three with, you know, like a minute remaining Penguins had the power play. Everything seemed like it was going to go the Penguins way. A bad Turnover in the offensive zone by Eric Carlson, by um, Adam Henrique uh, disrupts the pass, and Mason McTavish coming out of the penalty box, grabs it, breakaway, scores, game over. Terrible taste in the mouths of Penguins fans going into the California road trip as they lost that Anaheim game at home, as well as two days before that, they lost 5-2 to two at home to the Ottawa Senators. So going to the Golden Coast... They needed uh, three really good games. The first game was against the worst team of the three. It was the San Jose Sharks, and they took them to town. For the second consecutive game, the San Jose Sharks allowed double-digit goals. They lost 10-2 to to the Pittsburgh Penguins in that game, and that kind of was the game that people thought would you know, ignite the Penguins' offense, really uh, you know, make things just run smoother. Like finally the bottom six got some points and got some goals. You might start seeing them finally, you know, produce more on a regular basis. And you expected more goals per game out of the Penguins after that game. And they followed that up three days later in Anaheim, California, only putting up two goals, which was enough for a victory, but that's not good enough. The Penguins need to do better than that. Uh, on a nightly basis, you get two goals in a game. You rarely win those games. You need more than two goals. You need to average three and a half ish goals in today's NHL, four goals in order to sec- securely, you know, go ahead with a victory, especially with the goaltending that the Penguins have been getting recently. Um, recently, you're able to get less goals and score because they've been lucky in that way in uh, some games. However, historically speaking, you need more than that from your offense, especially an offense that has as much elite talent as the Penguins does. Two nights after the Anaheim game, they go to Crypto.com Arena and take take on the LA Kings, and they escape that one with a 4-3 overtime victory. That was the game where Brian Rust had the overtime game-winning goal. It was called back for offsides on, on Rusty. He was offsides himself. And then seconds later, wins it again. So they sweep the California road trip. Two days later, they come home to host the Buffalo Sabres, and they shut out 
the Buffalo Sabres 4-0, their second shutout in three games. They follow that up with a Blue Jackets victory in Columbus 5-3. That was on the 14th of November. And then that uh, that week, they had two more divisional games, and they kind of crapped the bed there. They played uh, New Jersey and Carolina, lost both of those games, 5-2 to New Jersey, 4-2 to Carolina. Those were really bad games because those are divisional games you need to escape with at least the loser point in those games, and they got none of it. They got absolutely nothing in those games, and it looked like a really bad team um, performing in those games. And then go to the game the next day after the Carolina game, they hosted the Vegas Golden Knights, and they shut out the defending Stanley Cup champions 3-0. That was a great win, a great game for momentum, and they followed it up on Wednesday, November 22nd, with a 1-0 loss to New York. That left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because New York has a lot of offensive weapons, and they were able to keep them limited. Only one goal, and it was early in the game. It was Alexi Lafreniere. It was a good goal for him. And they were facing Jonathan Quick, nearly 40-year-old. I don't have his age in front of me. I think he's 37. Jonathan Quick, who, granted, has had a really good year this year. He's replaced Igor Shesterkin as Igor has been injured for a little bit. Um, but whenever he was signed as the backup in New York, everyone was like, oh, the Igor is going to be ridden this year because Jonathan Quick's not good anymore. He had a few good games with the Golden Knights in the latter half of last year um, going into the playoffs, and that was it. Jonathan Quick has been washed outside of that for the better part of the last three, four years. But this year he's on a tear, and he shut out the Penguins last Wednesday. Moving on to Friday, that was this past Friday, uh, two days ago, technically, but it feels like yesterday, the Buffalo Sabres won that the game I was talking about earlier, 3-2. to two. And then tonight, as I mentioned, the Penguins defeat the Toronto Maple Leafs 3-2. to two. Where does that leave the Penguins in the standings? I am so happy you asked. Not great. Not ideal. The Penguins uh, overall are not good. And the old stat goes, if you're in the playoffs on Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving that is, if you're in a playoff spot by that day, you have about a 75% chance of making the playoffs. If you're outside of that, you have the remaining 25% chance of making the playoffs. It's worth noting the Penguins were not in a playoff spot on Thanksgiving and currently are not at the moment either. They have a exactly a 500 point percentage on the season. In 20 games, they are 10-10-0. That puts them in the wildcard spot. They are fifth in the wildcard spot. Um, Detroit and Toronto have uh, are in the current playoff wildcard spots, followed up by Carolina, the New York Islanders, the Penguins, then the Sabres, Montreal, New Jersey is down there as well at the same point pace as the Penguins right now at an even 500. Same with the Ottawa Senators at a 500 point percentage, but they only have 16 points. And in dead last in the East is the Columbus Blue Jackets team. So, not a great start to the year. We're about a quarter of the way in, so it's a good time to kind of reflect, look back, and see where this team's going. And based on history, this is not going to be a team that makes the playoffs. And it's hard to say, and it's hard, I think, for a lot of fans to admit and swallow that pill, 
But what you've seen out of the first quarter of this year is not a good hockey team. And everyone thinks that the Penguins are kind of always going to be an anomaly, that they're always the weird ones. They're the Penguinies. You know, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be weird, have weird numbers, but they're somehow still going to find their way in. Look at the the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. It's a similar situation where they're being outgained on offense every single game, and they're still somehow in a playoff spot. And, and Steelers fans delusionally think they're still going to make the playoffs or they're still going to be over 500, whatever, even though their offense hasn't had a like have, hasn't had over 300 yards in a game like all year. But somehow they're still at delusional thought in Pittsburgh fans that like, oh, it'll work itself out. It'll figure itself out. And I'm not sure it will in this in this uh, case necessarily. The there's a, there's some numbers that make this, the Penguins look good. There's some numbers that make the Penguins look not so good. And I want to get into those here in a moment. Um, but the first one I want to look at here is uh, goal differential. Where in the bracket that the Penguins are in right now, which is you know like just outside of a playoff, uh, just outside of a wild card spot, but like in you know in the general area, they're not out of it yet, but they're in the area. Goal differential of the teams uh, in either a wild card spot all the way down to the Canadians with uh, twenty points. So basically, uh, Detroit and Toronto both have twenty three. We're going all the way down to Montreal at twenty, saying those teams goals differential plus eleven. Plus one, minus one, minus ten, plus eleven, minus eleven, minus sixteen. The only teams that were above plus one were the first team I mentioned and the fifth team I mentioned. First team I mentioned were the Detroit Red Wings, who are currently in a playoff spot, given that I said them first. The fifth team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have over ten more. Uh, in their goal differential than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are in a playoff spot, who, like I mentioned before, that's a team that people expect to make the playoffs. And the the bare minimum is you have to at least, you know, make it. But you should win around a few rounds if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're the team with that much talent and that much promise as the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the Pittsburgh Penguins were that other team. And you may be thinking, that's good. That means, you know, they're they're outscoring a lot of their problems or they're like they may not be getting the results quite now, but you know, they're playing good hockey. Problem is, is that eight of that goal differential was in one game. So you take out that San Jose game, which it's hard to do because they it happened. They scored ten goals. Granted, they were playing the worst team in the last two decades. So, granted, at their lowest point, too, at least so far, back-to-back double-digit games, I mean, come on, how, how does it get worse than that? Maybe three in a row. I wouldn't wish that on them. Anyways, you take that San Jose game out of the Penguins' goal differential, they're, all, they're down to a plus three. Still in second place in goal differential amongst those teams, but only two more than Toronto, so it's negligible. Four more than Carolina. So it's not as significant. It kind of dilutes the value of that stat. Which, at face value, because it's on the NHL standings, you're like, oh, the Penguins may not be in a playoff spot per se, but they're playing good hockey. Not really. 
Some numbers I'm going to mention will back that up, but overall, I'm not going to um, defend that that claim. I'm not going to say the Penguins are playing good hockey. If they're playing good hockey, they'd be on a better than 82-point pace. An 82-point pace is uh, not good enough. I'd like. I'm going to look and see what an what 82 points, uh, what draft pick and position that would have given. Uh, that would have given the Penguins if they did it last year. Let me take a quick, quick look here. I hope this is in order. It is. Uh, why is not? Why is it not sorted by points? This is kind of goofy. NHL. I mean, not NHL. Hockey Reference. Um, help a brother out. Okay. So if they had 82 points last year, they would have been better than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They would have had the 11th overall pick. Than 82 game pace, which is funny because they actually had the 14th overall pick. So they weren't, even though they finished 91 points instead of 82, uh, only the, the difference there was uh, three picks. So not terribly significant last year, but this year it could be, it could mean uh, a significant difference. Before I get into analytics, I wanted to get in some team analytics and sp- you know, take a look at the team in that way so far this year, um, or at least up until yesterday's. Uh, the, I don't think these numbers have been updated since yeah, yesterday's games. Um, ba, 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 ba. All right, so I want to look at some individual stats, some players, um, an individual level, and kind of go through who I think has been uh, some of the stars of the year. Some guys who have been overperforming, some guys who have been underperforming. Um, yeah, I want to get into that right now. Let's just go through these guys individually. Leading the team in points, and that this is as of uh, right now, so last night's or this past night's game is included in that, Sidney Crosby, who at the age of 36 is still lighting it up and still leading the way for the Penguins. 24 points in 20 games, 13 goals, 11 assists. He is a plus 11 Two power play goals, which is saying a lot because this team's power play stinks. It is so bad uh, for no particular reason. Um, I think that there is some stra- uh, strategic issues happening, and we're going to get into that too as well in a little bit. Um, but surface-level stats, I'm going to stick to that. Uh, right behind Crosby with one less point is Jake Gensel, who's having a really good season. Jake Gensel's been more of a sniper throughout his career. He has hit 40 goals, I believe, twice, I think. Um, at least been on a 40-goal pace two or three times. He's uh, outscored his assists most of his year, most of his career. I don't have his career stats in front of me, but I know that to be a fact. Uh, but this year, seven goals, 16 assists, Jake the Playmaker, and 23 points, as I mentioned. On the left side, all year of Sidney Crosby, there's been some movement on the right side there, but the two of them have been locked at the hip for the past few years, and this year is no different. In third in points on the team, actually tied for third, um, two future Hall of Famers, Evgeny Malkin and Eric Carlson. Malkin, Nine goals, nine assists, and those 18 points on the year. Eric Carlson, six goals, 12 assists, and those 18 points. Funny enough, Eric Carlson is a plus nine, considering he had a god-awful plus-minus last year, granted, on that San Jose team. Uh, It's kind of impressive that he is as plus of a player as he is, given his defensive deficiencies. He started a little slow. It took him a few games, I'd say, to really... um, accumulate and adjust to this penguin system 
he still hasn't adjusted to the power play. But at five on five, he's done a very good job. Oh, excuse me. And I think he's fitting in uh, just great um, right about now. Tonight, uh, the Toronto game, he got the game-winning goal with just you know a few seconds left in that second period. Right behind Eric Carlson is the currently injured Brian Rust, who is another player who's having an incredible season. He's tied for second in the team lead in goals with nine, tied with Gino. Um, but he has 16 points, so seven assists there. In 17 games, he's missed the past three games. Uh, with some kind of injury, the timetable is not there yet. It seems like it's going to be a shorter term, in, uh, shorter term recovery. So he should be back soonish. We'll see. And then after Rusty, there's a bit of a jump. There's a four point jump from fifth to sixth place on this team, uh, and then sixth place is Riley Smith, who's been getting that second line uh, left wing those minutes alongside Gino. Uh, they started off having really good chemistry, Gino and Smith, but over the past, I'd say, five to six games, it's kind of weighing off a little bit. Riley Smith in 20 games has six goals, six assists, and 12 points, plus one. Just behind Smith, the last player with double-digit points on this team is Chris Letang. 11 points, he has one goal, 10 assists, and he's another, I'd say, product of the issues on the power play where his numbers would be improved. He wouldn't right now. He's at about a 45 point pace ish. He's not, he's a better player than that. And he would have much better production so far if the power play was, you know, at the clip it typically is. It's, and it's not right now underneath them. You have a lot of the bottom six guys include and Ricard Raquel, who's had an awful start to his uh, season, but he is on LTIR, so he's not going to be around uh, for a while. He's going to have to probably wait until January to get, try for his first goal because he's on LTIR right now. And he has zero goals, four assists, and four points in 17 games. That is not the Ricard Raquel that we know. Um, he was a, he's been a much better player since being acquired by the Anaheim Ducks, uh, I believe it was two years ago at the trade deadline. But underneath Letang... Um, in order, we have Lars Eller, Redeem Zahorna, who's been a great uh, addition since he got called up from Wilkes-Barre. Uh, Ryan Graves, Drew O'Connor, you expected more from one goal, four assists, five points in 20 games from him. You want more from him, especially now that he's playing up with Sid. Raquel's there. Then you got Pedersen, Achari, Hinnestroza, who is another player who was called up, who's been a great surprise. Uh, in his eight games he's played with the Penguins, he has one goal, two assists, three points. Not too shabby for a guy who started the year in the A. Underneath him, you have Matt Nieto, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who's only played five games this year, which was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought he was a lock to um, in that you know bottom pair left side role, but he has not been given the opportunity. Ryan Shea, John Ludwig, and Chad Ruedel have been uh, playing in lieu of Pierre-Olivier Joseph underneath POJ in 14 games, one point, and that came just this past night uh, against the Maple Leafs, Jeff Carter, who has actually finally started getting benched, which is a bit uh, shocking, but it was the first game was that San Jose game, and they lit up San Jose, so you kind of thought, oh, this worked well, maybe they're going to keep him out. They gave him the LA Kings game because it was probably his last game against his old team, and then now he's in because of injury. And he got a point tonight, so credit where credit's due. But he is 
as washed as you could probably get. He's just not a great player outside of the faceoff dot. In the faceoff dot, he's 71.4%, which is hella impressive. Good on you, Jeff Carter. Although when he is playing, he's he's averaging less than 10 minutes of ice time. Underneath Jeff is Chad Ruedel. Uh, Alex Nylander has played three games this year, and he has been called up because of the injuries on the right side to Rusty and Raquel. And he had a goal called against Buffalo. It was a tip-in, and then he got called back. So he, does, he still has no points on the season. Also, with no points on the season, John Ludwig, who's played four games, he missed a lot of time due to, due to his concussion in his debut. But he's back now. Uh, no points for him yet. Jensen Harkins has no points in five games. Ryan Shea, who's been pretty impressive defensively, um, has has no points either. But he's been a big shock to the team. I don't think many people going into the year expected him to be an everyday player. And he's only missed four games so far in the first 20 games. Now I want to get the goaltending because this has been where I've been so, so impressed, uh, you know, most of the time. The the uh, as a team, the Pittsburgh Penguins have four shutouts. Uh, Tristan Jari has three. Alex Andalkovich has one. Actually, it may be five. Let me double check that. I feel like they had a combined one. I don't want to get this wrong, so please give me one moment. They have one against Vegas, two against Buffalo, three against Anaheim, four against Colorado. And five against Washington. Yeah, so the team has five. I thought that was wrong. The team has five, but the individuals, there's four, three on Tristan Jari, and one on Alex Nadalkovich. The problem is Tristan Jari's record is seven and eight. So in his seven wins, three of those are shutouts. That's an impressive ratio. It's not sustainable. Uh, However, they need to win more. Those games that you're getting good performances out of Tristan Jari, you need to score. You need to take advantage of it. You have too good of a team to not score. And when and Nadelkovic missed some time, so Magnus Helberg was up too. But in uh, Alex Nadelkovic's four games in a Penguins uniform, he is two and two, two twenty six goals against average, which is slightly better than Tristan Jari's goals against average of two forty four. He is in a nine thirty seven save percentage. Is Ned? Jari is 918. That's very good as well. But Alex Nadalkovich, in only four games, granted, is a 937. He's played fantastic for the Penguins. Magnus Helberg played three games for Pittsburgh, one in relief, and he's a he's one and one. Oh, sorry, sorry, two in relief. He played. Uh, he started one game. He won that game. Goals against average in his time as a Penguin, 250 and a 922 save percentage. Again, great performance out of of uh, uh so, excuse me, uh, Magnus Helberg. Goaltending somehow has not been an issue yet this year. It may end up being one. I still am not completely sold on the Tristan Jari experience and the experiment. However, so far, no complaints at all. I cannot. I I can't get on here in good faith and you know talk bad about Tristan Jari or the goaltending situation. The goaltenders have not been the issue with this team. The issues have been depth scoring. Some really, really poor power play play, which power play play, whatever. Um, bad play on the PP. That's not any better. Jesus Christ. Anyways, um, it's been the power play. It's been some, it's been the lack of depth scoring up until the past couple games. 
And it's also been some really, really, really dumb decisions on defense. We talked about whenever Eric Carlson was acquired that he is going to be a lightning rod. He's going to be a player that some some uh, fans are going to love because of the magic he can create on offense. But he's going to make some really, really bad decisions defensively, and he's done that. When people say Eric Carlson is a winger that lines up on defense, I believe it. I think I agree with that. I think he has the speed, the skating ability, the the hands, the shot, all of it to be an elite winger in this league. Problem is he lines up on defense and with that comes responsibilities to defend and not give the puck away in you know in your own zone or in an opportunity where the uh, opposing team can get a breakaway. And he's done that multiple times. He did it in the Toronto game. I remember distinctly, like I mentioned earlier, in that Anaheim game at home that cost them the game with the uh, the turnover to Henrik, pass up to McTavish, walk-off goal score right there. He's made some bad decisions there. He's not the only one. Ryan Graves hasn't been hasn't exactly been as advertised. He may have uh, you know five points on the year, which is you know pretty mediocre for him. But he's had some issues defensively. He hasn't looked the best uh, either. Marcus Pedersen, I think, has looked his his best. He's actually looked very very good this year. I have no complaints with Marcus Pedersen. He took a stick to the face in the Buffalo game two nights ago, and that really uh, worried me. Because um, because of how good he's been, uh, he's picked up a lot of the defensive slack for Carlson because they've been the Swedish pair together, the two of them. Um, and I have no complaints with Mar- with what Marcus Pedersen's been doing. Um, I think looking back now at this point, I think there were a few dumb decisions that were made at at training camp. One of which was sending Redeem Zahorna down. And I think that was in because they wanted to claim Jansen Harkins. Harkins has given them more flexibility. Granted, he hasn't done much. He is a center, so that's part of the flexibility. And they've also been able to send him up and down ever since they claimed him and sent him down the first time. He's now able to just freely go up and down. But uh, they should have kept Redeem Zahorna up. He's been very good in uh, 16 games. He has six points. He's one of the better offensive options on the bottom six. And there's no reason he should have been down. Vinny Henestroza is another one who I don't know if there would have been room for him, uh, you know, on opening night. But he's done very well. I never understood why Alex Nylander was sent down all off season. If you listen to the podcast, excuse me, uh, I was uh, Alex Nylander truther. I believed that he was going to be on the opening night roster no matter what. I had him slotted in third line right wing. And it was not the case. He was sent down. He played most of the year with Wilkes-Barre. And now is finally starting to get some games here up in the NHL. Um, defensively, I'm very interested to see what they end up doing with Pierre-Olivier Joseph with only five games played. Maybe you think he's a trade chip that they have to use at some point. If they want to improve the blue line, that's the kind of a young guy that a lot of teams would take a chance on. If they're sending out a you know a, a, a veteran rental, something like that, you, that's a guy you'd want to take back if you're a young rebuilding team. POJ, I think, still has a lot of upside. And last season, whenever the team was down like half of their defense, even more than half, he played first pair minutes with Chris Latang, and he didn't look that out of place. 
uh, he held his own. One thing I do want to say that I'm not going to complain about, I'm going to say he's done an incredible job, um, I want to compliment just as much as I did goaltending, is the penalty kill. This Pittsburgh Penguins penalty kill that, uh, for the most part, Kyle Dubas kind of created. He's It's with a lot of the signings that he made. This penalty kill has been unreal. They've been very, very, very good. Granted, they haven't been penalized uh, very much this year. It's, I think they've been penalized the least uh, or, or uh, towards the bottom of the league, at least, so far this year, which is uh, pretty interesting. But the penalty kill themselves have been incredible, led by guys like Matt Nieto and Nolachari. The two of them have done a great job on the PK. Even today, um, I think it was whenever they the Toronto Maple Leafs pulled their goalie, which Sheldon Keefe pulled his goalie really early. It's around like 3.30, I think, left in the third, so there was a ton of time left. The Penguins, uh, towards the end of that, sent out basically their penalty kill, where Matt Nieto was one of the guys that was able to uh, get a good clear just because he has that penalty kill mentality, which in, in a circumstance like, you know, when you have a goalie pulled against you and you're uh, shorthanded, maybe not the worst idea to throw your PK guys out there that can do that. Nolachari has not been great offensively. Um, just like Nieto, they each have three points, but they are getting it done on the penalty kill in a big way. I, I am very impressed with what I've seen from them so far. Lars Eller is another one who's been great. Uh, he's been a great face-off guy. He's been a very good third-line center. He's finally starting to put it together offensively with eight points in 20 games. Three of those were goals, but he's also been a huge voice in the locker room. He's one of those guys that will talk uh, you know, after losses or, uh, you know, even after victories, he's like one of those guys that seems to be the go-to for a lot of reporters, uh, just because of, you know, the leadership that he's been exuding as a veteran on this team. There's a lot of veterans on this team, but that's a guy who I think came into this room and immediately made an impact. And I'm interested, I'm interested to see, I think that's the kind of guy that like helps you win a cup. You know, that's the kind of guy that I remember whenever he uh, he was on the cup run with the Washington Capitals, he had some big goals for them down the line. He's not known for his goal scoring. He's much more of a you know defensively sound, penalty-killing, bottom-six center. But he is the kind of guy that can come in clutch when you need him. Reminds me of almost a Nick Benino type. I think he's on the back end of his career, though, so he may not be that guy anymore. But we there's still a lot of season left. We'll see what uh, Lars Eller truly can become this year and I believe the Penguins still have more uh years with him I don't believe it was a one-year deal I believe it was a two-year deal let me double check that Lars Eller uh yes so he has one more year left at 2.45 million dollars that was a good little signing there by Kyle Dubas when we come back I'm going to get into some of the analytics of the season and take a look at it from that angle see how the Penguins are actually doing whether they should be improving or not uh, things like that so we'll be right back after this bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook as it stands right now like I said early Sunday morning almost Sunday you know the the twilight hour right now as it stands right now David Pasternak is the leader for the Hart Trophy odds he is at a plus 400 and behind him you might think is it Connor McDavid no Jack Hughes is behind him at a plus 500 McDavid's all the way down in third in the Hart Trophy odds at a plus 700 that's just what the way the Edmonton Oilers have been playing so far this year 
But man, those are some interesting odds for the Hart Trophy. Kale McCarr is on the list. There's two defenders at plus two, uh, at plus two thousand five hundred. Kale McCarr and Quint Hughes. Lots and lots of good options there for the Hart Trophy. All the way down to guys like Eric Carlson at plus thirty thousand, and uh, Mika Zibanejad also at plus thirty thousand. Tons of options on DraftKings Sportsbook for the Hart Trophy Award. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for just betting $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Please call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are restricted trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. Welcome back. Now let's dive a little deeper into the Penguins' season as a whole thus far. Not including... Uh, Saturday night's game against Toronto. The Penguins amassed a 13.2% power play. And um, sorry to tell you, it didn't get any better on Saturday. They went 0 for 3. Both Toronto and Pittsburgh went 0 for 3 on the power play. So it got worse than that 13.2. I don't have uh, the exact number or ranking because I don't know what the other teams have done. So I'm not going to go into that, but that 13.2% uh, before Saturday night's game was good good enough for 26th place in the National Hockey League, sandwiched between the Buffalo Sabres and the Calgary Flames. The only teams in the NHL with worse power plays than the Penguins, oddly enough, Was- the Washington Capitals are in dead last with 6% on the power play. That's a team that should be higher. Alex Ovechkin, are you kidding me? A team with Ovi is in 6%. Same can be said for the Penguins with Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby. Should I go on? Uh, in 31st place, the St. Louis Blues, they just started the year with an awful power play and are crawling to get back out of single digits. The fact they're at 8.5 is actually impressive to me because I remember at one point they were somewhere around 3. So it's it's been brutal out here for some of these teams. In 30th is the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, 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 Connor Bedard. Outside of that, they got nothing anymore. Taylor Hall, done for the year. No one knows what's going on with Corey Perry, and that is a story I don't understand, but uh, I just hope everyone's okay. I I have no idea what's going on there. He kind of just disappeared from the team. Uh, Right above them at 10.3% are the Philadelphia Flyers. Right above them at 10.4, Columbus Blue Jackets. And then a little jump higher at 12.5 are the Calgary Flames. But something tells me the Penguins are going to be in the 12s now that they went 0 for 3. Uh, maybe even less than the 12s now that they went 0 for 3 tonight uh, against Toronto. That is a problem. 
and the man in charge of the power play to no secret of Penguins fans is Todd Reardon, who once upon a time was a Penguins coach, left, became the head coach of the Washington Capitals, and is now back with the team after an unsuccessful run at the helm of the Washington Capitals. He's in charge of the power play as well as the team's defense. And I'm not sure what strategically is wrong, but I'm not the coach. But one thing I do know is that a team with four future Hall of Famers and all offensively minded, might I add, should be at a better power play clip than 13.2. Honestly speaking, the Penguins should have a top five power play in the league. No doubt about it. Top five right now. The New Jersey Devils, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the New York Rangers, the Vancouver Canucks, and the Toronto Maple Leafs all are at 28.3 or higher. And right below them are the Arizona Coyotes. Who would have thought that? A 26.1%. Good good job on the Coyotes, man. They're having a sneaky, sneaky kind of year. Not too shabby from them. But Penguins need to be higher than 13.2. And I was talking to some of my coworkers tonight. I thought that... Um, if the Penguins had lost this game, I think that's the kind of game that coaches get fired over. And I don't know if it would necessarily would have been Sully, although there's been more chatter about that online uh, this you know, over the past month or two than any of the previous uh, six years, seven years that he's been here. It's it, It's been more vocal, definitely, no doubt about it. But I think the guy who is going to start hearing his name chanted possibly at PBG Paints Arena if this keeps up and if the Penguins um, lose more games, you might hear a Fire Reardon chant, a Todd Reardon chant. You may actually hear it. Fire Canada worked out for the Steelers. Matt Canada is gone, and but we don't know yet if that was the solution. The Steelers play their first game without Matt Canada on the year in just about 11 and a half hours from right now. Um, but yeah, and even the Fire Canada chant bled into the PPG Paints Arena. I wouldn't be surprised if Todd Reardon hears his name chanted pretty soon if this power play doesn't immediately change. Uh, for the first time in a long time, Crosby and Malkin were broken up on the power play. I believe that happened for the first time uh, You know, of this current iteration. It was two games ago, I believe. I think the Buffalo game was the first time they did it. And it hasn't warranted any results either. So I'm not sure that was the problem. I don't think having uh, one of your top two players sit for most of a power play is uh, the best idea necessarily. I think that's kind of uh, foolish. But there do need to be changes. I think they're just moving deck chairs on the Titanic though. I think that they're the issue is bigger than who is deployed on the ice. I think there's system issues. You watch them and they seem to be able to get no good high danger scoring chances. And I think the problem is they're playing umbrella power play where they keep it to the outside and they're having no success getting tight, close, you know, almost in the slot type shots. They're not getting anything like that on the power play. They're keeping it to the perimeter they're just passing it back and forth, and whenever they wind up for shots, because they're so far out, they're getting blocked. Or because they're so far out, the goalie's able to just corral it. They're having no success getting anything, any kind of action in close to the net in the areas where goalies 
historically have lower save percentages because the shots coming at them from a couple feet in front of them and you know there's nothing in the way of between them and the puck there's no player that's going to block it or anything like that those are the kind of power play you know setups that the penguins need to start getting successful at they have guys who can possess the puck like no one else eric carlson skates like like a unicorn. Sidney Crosby is able to hold onto a puck and throw his ass in the way from letting any opposing player get near the puck better than anyone in the league's history. Evgeny Malkin is a monster on the puck when he wants to be and has one of the strongest slap shots in Penguins history. Jake Gensel is going to go down as a top 10 goal scorer if he isn't already in Penguins history. These guys not even to mention Chris Tang, the best defenseman in the league, in the uh, not the league, in the team's history. These guys should be able to put together an adequate power play, even if it was shooting at twenty percent, which is uh you know mediocre. The sorry, not mediocre. The median, the statistical median in the NHL right now is right around 21%. The Stars in 16th place have 21. The Red Wings in 15th place have 21.3. So somewhere in between there is the average power play in the NHL. And the Penguins are a solid, I'd say, at this point, 8-ish, maybe even 9 now after tonight's game, percentage points behind that. You you are not going to win games with that poor of a power play, especially when the expectation going into this year was that the acquisitions made, <clears throat> Eric Carlson, were going to make it not only a good power play, but one of the best ever. You you had the opportunity to have four potential future Hall of Famers on the ice at one time, and they did that for many games, and nothing came of it. So I'm not really sure what is going to be done and I wouldn't be surprised if things don't start changing soon that they do start moving uh, you know, some coaching staff around. I don't know if Sullivan's going to be it. I don't think he'll be it. I think it'd be Reardon first. I think they'd probably go that route instead. They don't want to fire Sullivan and have to pay his salary out you know, for the remainder of it until he gets picked up by another team, which, believe it or not, I think he would get picked up by another team very quickly. Um, but the reason, I don't know if I explained it, but the reason I thought that tonight would be the night if they had lost is because it was a hockey night in Canada game. The Toronto media was in town, and if they were going to see firsthand how poorly the Penguins played, if they just got their you know crap rocked the entire night and just lost poorly, then I think they start bringing up and talking about Sully or one of these other guys getting fired. And then once that noise starts getting in Toronto, it spreads through the hockey universe like COVID-19. And then you get results and you get coaches fired. Um, So that's why I kind of expected that tonight would have been the night for that to happen. It didn't happen, luckily. The Penguins, uh, you know, defeated in a good manner, in 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 a good performance. They defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs. As I mentioned, 3-2 tonight. I mentioned the penalty kill earlier, and I, I want to give them uh, their props on their statistics as well. They are at an 85% pace right now, which is very, very impressive. They are ninth in the NHL. I'm surprised they're only the ninth. Again, this doesn't include tonight's game against Toronto, where they were 3-for-3. They, were three three. they uh, were able to kill all three of the... Maple Leafs power play, so they may be even higher. They will be higher than that, um, 
definitely whenever the uh, numbers are updated. Excuse me. But average in the NHL right now is uh, actually pretty low. It's uh, about 78.8. Capitals are in 16th with 78.8. The Red Wings are in 15th with 78.9. So they are a good... a seven eight percentage points i'd say seven ish above um, the median so they're having a very successful year especially with the personnel that they're able to roll out every game uh another good stat which i don't take a ton of um excuse me i don't take a ton of stock in but nonetheless it's a good thing it's good to be leading in stats than to be in last place the penguins are in first in the nhl in faceoff win percentage uh, you look, you know, from first line all the way down to the extra uh, skaters that they have. They have guys who can win faceoffs and who historically are good at faceoffs. Uh, Malkin maybe not as much. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but that's not really a guy you think of with faceoffs. But Crosby's a great faceoff taker. Third line Lars Eller's a great faceoff man. Nolachari, who has spent some time on the wing in his career, is actually a really good faceoff guy. I don't think he was tonight. I think in the Toronto game he had a bad uh, face-off record. I have to double-check that. But um, And then the, your extra skater is Jeff Carter, who, I like, like I mentioned, Jeff Carter, not the best player anymore, not much left in the tank, only one point in his 14-ish, 15 games he's played this year. But he's a good face-off guy. He's over 70% on the year, which is insane. So the Penguins are leading in that regard. Now I'm going to go to my favorite website of all of history, uh, money puck and we're going to go through some of these more advanced analytics and see uh, where the Pittsburgh Penguins rank there in expected goals percentage uh, which is a very important stat basically based on your play not the results uh, what percent of the uh, of your game of your game's goals should you be getting Penguins are in fifth in the NHL in expected goal percentage they are in fifth they have a 54.01 uh, percent share of their expected goal percentage uh, in their games only above them are the la kings makes sense the edmonton oilers makes sense but does it really i don't know uh the colorado avalanche the florida panthers and then like i said in fifth are the pittsburgh penguins for Corsi, that's shot attempts percentage what what percent of sh- uh the shots taken in a game or is your team taking versus how many are you allowing? Penguins are in seventh in the league at 52.85%. The teams above them, Carolina, who's always a Corsi darling. Then there is Edmonton, Colorado, New Jersey, LA, Florida, and then Pittsburgh is right there. So far, so good. Goal differential. Um, Penguins are in sixth. <laughs> a part of that, like I mentioned, is that San Jose game which if you take that out, they would be tied for ninth. Still pretty good, but pretty crazy that the Penguins are uh, that that much better. Um, expected goal differential. So based on the goals uh, you, you should be getting uh, versus the goals you should be allowing, Penguins are in third at 7.27%. Above them, Unbelievably, the Edmonton Oilers, that shows you how bad their goaltending is. They're getting no saves. They're playing okay hockey, but they're getting nothing in return. They're getting dog crap in return in net from Stuart Skinner, Jack Campbell, Calvin Pickard, and whoever else puts on that oil crest and puts uh, goalie pads underneath it. 
you are allowing a bajillion goals, and it's terrible. I feel so bad for Edmonton fans. There, no matter how bad you feel as a Penguin fan about how your team started, the Oilers are in a worse spot. The expectations are higher for them, and they're performing worse. And they've already fired their coach, so what left is there to do? Um, but yeah, Penguins are in third behind L.A. and Edmonton. L.A. is at the top of all of these uh all of these charts, they've had a very good start to their year. I didn't realize, I know that they're good in the standings, but I didn't realize how uh, analytically sound they are. Um, save percentage, the Penguins as a team are in seventh with 92.77%. Above them, the Boston Bruins are in first, followed by the New York Islanders, Vegas Golden Knights, Vancouver Canucks, Montreal Canadiens, which is kind of odd. Excuse me, and the Winnipeg Jets. Another stat that's improved from last year. Um, bit of a niche stat but nonetheless i think it proves that there's been some improvements made uh in this department expected rebound shots for so basically you're shooting the puck and you're getting some uh you're getting rebounds you're 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 getting second opportunities which was not the case last year at all i think a big part of this is having a guy like eric carlson who uh, can get the puck on net and not necessarily have it corralled immediately, where he kind of gets it on net and there's some second opportunities there. Penguins are first in that department with 36.38 expected rebound shots for. Looking for some uh, other numbers here. High danger shots for. Penguins are second in the league with 49, so they're getting to those dirty areas. At 5-on-5, uh, this is probably the best team. By the way, all these all these stats here are five on five specifically, um, but they are one of the best, if not the best, five on five team this year. It is unbelievable how bad they are on the power play. Um, let me get, for high danger shots for um, on the power play, they are me very very mediocre. They are down in nineteenth. So at five on five. For high danger shots for their second on the power play, their 19th. Yeah, man, you, you gotta get better opportunities on the power play. That's the moral of my story here. Uh the team would be in a secure playoff spot if they had an average power play. That's been their biggest issue this season. And going into the year, if you told me that, I would have thought you were crazy. With the amount of talent that they have right now, I would have thought you were insane. If you told me that, but here we are, alas, uh, almost a quarter of the way through the season, just one game removed from the quarter mark, or you could kind of call it the quarter mark right now, whatever you want, but the Penguins are not in a playoff spot. Penguins are in pace to only get 82 points on the regular season and their best players are playing good at even strength. Their goaltenders are playing very well. It's just the power play is the biggest issue. Even the depth scoring is starting to pick up, like I mentioned earlier. It is the power play. The power play needs, needs fixing. And we'll see here soon if something can change. And there's a lot of games here coming up where change can be made. On Tuesday, the Penguins travel to Nashville to take on the Predators. And then uh, the the following, or two days later on Thursday, they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning in Florida. Uh, on the, the the next Saturday, just uh, three days after that, to two days after that, excuse me, they take on the Philadelphia Flyers at home. That'll be a good game, a Saturday evening in Pittsburgh against Philly. That'll be a good one. And then just uh, two days later on the Monday, they travel across the state to Philadelphia and take on the Flyers. 
Uh, and then next Wednesday, they take on the Lightning again. Um, also in Tampa Bay. That's weird. They play uh, two games in Tampa over the next five games, and they're not back-to-back. Kind of weird. Uh, but then right after that, they play the Florida Panthers. So that makes some sense down on Friday, December 8th. So some good teams coming up. Light the Lightning twice, the Flyers twice, the Panthers once. The, the Flyers, are, by the way, I didn't mean the, that as a good team. I'm just stating the uh, the schedule here. Predators have played all right this year. Lightning have been played below their typical expectation. However, they were been they've been without Vasilevsky all year. They just got him back. You expect to see him probably both of those games, if not at least one of them. Uh, Panthers, like I said, have been very very good this year. Uh, really impressing me with how well they played in uh, in lieu of not having their uh, two best defenders for most of the year in Montour and Ekblad. Arizona is after the Florida game, and then they uh, play Montreal, Toronto, in Canada, both of those games. Um, and then we're getting toward Christmas, so I'm going to leave it there. That's uh, the next little bit. That's the next, what, like 10 games or so, 8 games for the Penguins. Some winnable games, but some games that are going to be very, very difficult. Games against Philly, you have to win those games because as much as I want to say Philadelphia is not a threat, they are in that position right now. They are uh, you know, just about equal with the Penguins in the standings. You have to win both those games. You have to win them in regulation. You can't let any more divisional games go away with regulation losses or even overtime losses. You, if you have to, overtime loss, but for the love of God, get two points and get them in regulation do not give away any extra points to your division rivals you cannot afford it even tampa because they're kind of on pace right now to be a wild card ish team um that could be a team you're, you're competing with in april so you really really need to steal points from these guys cannot give any ground be fierce with the puck do not let these guys walk all over you and for the love of god get your power play going it's right. It's for the taking. Most people, given that lineup, could make some power play that would be an average rate. But somehow Todd Reardon has really not done that yet. And hopefully, uh, in the next in that next stretch of games I just brought up, hopefully the Penguins can get their uh, power play together, and we'll see some uh, some changes. But until then, I am 58 minutes into this, and it is almost 2 a.m. And I have stuff to do tomorrow, so I'm not going to continue this anymore. I'm going to leave that there. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Penscast. Uh, it was great having you along. This is episode 24. And like I said, I want to get back into doing more of these. It's going to you know, take a couple more weeks until I can get into a regular groove of it, just because I still have a really busy schedule. But it will die down here by mid-December. So hopefully by then we'll be back on our weekly track. And I'll be able to keep up with this team uh, and keep you informed and whatnot on the happenings of uh, this team better. And I apologize for not doing that more. Like I said, it's been a bit of a journey over the past uh, couple of months. Um, but that is everything for episode 24. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back as soon as soon as I can. Until next time, thank you.